The Freedom Project is the pursuit of a healthy mind, body, and soul. By investing in these areas, we can live our calling to the best of our ability. We hope to inspire you to chase down the dreams that you have tucked away in your heart. This is the Freedom Project Podcast. My name is Taylor Hughesby, and I am excited to welcome Eric Johnson to the Freedom Project Podcast. Uh, this is one of those episodes that I've been looking forward to. Uh, Eric has intrigued and inspired me as a father, as a hunter, as an outdoorsman for a long time. And so I'm excited to pick his brain and see what makes him tick. And I'm looking forward to listening to how he's going to inspire you as well. Eric is a husband, a father to two kids, uh, his wife, Andrea and him and his family. They share in the outdoor adventures, whether that's in Minnesota or out west or all the way up into Alaska. Eric has uh, been in charge of and created uh, three different businesses, and he's an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, he's an avid outdoorsman, and he really is intentional about leading his family and providing for them, but by doing it by example, not necessarily by speech. And that's just something I look forward to uh, just talking with him a little bit more about. So Eric, without further ado, man, welcome to the show. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. And uh, thanks for that awesome intro. Very much appreciated. Absolutely. Well, it's well earned. And I tell you what, as you know, I, I haven't been a father that long. The one thing that really stands out um, as I've got to just watch from afar is that you have always inspired me to bring my kids hunting. I mean, it's just something that you do. And, and whether that's a trophy picture with your daughter uh, holding a mule deer buck or whether it's grouse hunting with your son, I sit back and I watch and I think to myself, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I don't know why I don't see more of that out there, but that's incredible. Can you just tell me a little bit about the intentionality behind that? I mean, I guess I'll start right from the beginning. I was in the hospital with my wife in labor uh, having our first child and no idea if it was a boy or a girl and doctor nurses said, congratulations, you got a beautiful girl here. And I said, yeah, right here. I thought it was a boy the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, I actually argued with him for a half a minute. Just, I couldn't comprehend the fact. Cause I just, I pictured having a boy taking him hunting fishing, playing football with him, you know, all the above everything a dad wants. Right. And here's this beautiful little girl and uh, it didn't take long. And she grew up being a daddy's girl, wanted to do everything dad did. And from catching walleyes, bluegills, everything at a, you know, I'm talking three years old type of thing to shooting her first turkey when she was five. It was just, she always wanted to be with me and always wanted to be in the outdoors with me. And it was, I think it was a blessing for me because I, I was so surprised at how much she enjoyed it that I never had to like push it on her. I look back and I see pictures of her in the ground blind with me with muzzleload hunting. And it's darn cold when you're muzzleload hunting in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm, we probably had a little buddy heater in there, but I mean, she's like four years old. And the look on her face, looking out that window at the deer that are out there is just like priceless, you know? So again, I say I'm blessed because you hear, I've heard stories and we've all probably heard stories about parents who are avid outdoors people and they almost push their kids a little bit to do it because they want to share that with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
like I said, for her, I didn't have to do that. And it just kind of came naturally. And I think it was because of the fact that she was female. And I just, I just felt like, I mean, it just, it just happened naturally and it just worked. So it actually, I mean, it worked out for everybody's benefit, obviously, (laughs) but um, from then on, it's just like, well, this is easy and this is fun. And uh, obviously we had a second child. Uh, We had an awesome boy who wasn't so into the outdoors. Is that right? Um, So I kind of had the opposite effect. And now I'm going, okay, how do I have this girl who loves doing all these, you know, hunting, fishing, and he would do it. Our son would do it, but he just didn't have the passion like she did. Yeah. So I had a tough time kind of juggling, you know, I try to bring him out on very successful outings and try to find the fun. And he would have fun, but he just, he wasn't the kid that was begging me to go do it like she was. Sure. Um, all that's changed now. They're 14 and 12 and both of them love all kinds of hunting, fishing, outdoors. Is that um, right? <laughs> it all worked out great. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, I, we, we hunt a lot uh, as a family and I hunt a lot with even just singly with my kids because I think that's important too. They just, they learn some more, they learn important lessons when it's just one-on-one also. But I also want them to have the experience of family trips, family outings, you know, whether it's walking for sheds or chasing mule deer in Montana. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's important to do things like that as a family as well. But some of the lessons you learn one on one, and even some of the lessons they've taught me one on one, you know, are priceless. So, yeah, there's a lot of folks who they take that family trip and they go out west. Yeah, they're, but they're going sightseeing. You guys pack up a trailer with expectation that's coming back with an animal in it. Correct. I think that's unbelievable because I never saw that. I, I don't have, I didn't have friends that did that. I've never seen it until you did it. And I just think that's awesome. But Eric, let me ask you this. What lessons? You said like, they taught me some lessons. Can you give me an example of that a little bit? Some of the lessons I learned were actually the most valuable lesson I learned was from my daughter and she basically looked at me one day I was disappointed as could be I had this spot picked out she wanted to fill her doe tag so bad she already killed or harvested a few deer um, prior to this but um, she wanted to fill her doe tag and I had this spot and it was what I would call a slam dunk and it just didn't work. And I was so frustrated and she could see my frustration <laughs> and she's like, dad, let's just, let's just go, you know? And I'm like, no, we're going to wait a little bit longer. Cause I wanted her. My thought was the way for her to succeed is to harvest this dough and tag the dough. And she looked at me and she goes, dad, I don't need to harvest a deer today. She's like, this is fun no matter what. And we don't always have to get something. And I had to like set me back. I had to like think about it for a minute. And I thought, like, how did I get this lucky? You know, (laughs) to to have someone who understand. And but she had to remind me because I was thinking that for and maybe it was a little bit selfish, but you know, I was thinking she has to be successful for me to feel successful, type of thing. Yeah. And we didn't need to shoot a deer to be 
to feel that success. <laughs> I mean, we had a, we have a great time. I was in the bear stand with her last fall for three full days. She did harvest a nice bear, but like she made me, made me remember that there's a lot of reasons why we do it. And it's not just a punch of tag. And I know that in the back of my mind. And I feel like I hunt like that often, but at the end of the day, it is a goal that we set. I mean, we have that tag for a reason. We have that tag to go pursue that animal and to punch that tag, to bring that animal home and to put it in our freezer, you know, but she kind of helped me accept the fact that if you don't punch that tag, it's still, there's a lot of success there. <laughs> Pretty awesome lesson from a young lady. Yeah. I, and I, I tell you what, I feel you on this one because this was our first year hunting where I did bring my kids out and thanks to you. Thanks for leading the way, blazing the trail on that, by the way. And, um, went out with my son and his godfather and his son and went turkey hunting. And I didn't realize how much pressure I'd put on the situation until after it happened. I was watching the video and realizing how nervous and excited and the whole thing I was like an out of body experience. I, <laughs> and I just think to myself, when I'm hunting with my buddies, I can sit back and think to myself, this is fun. I enjoy this and I enjoy them. But when you're parent you want your kid yeah. like, oh let's get them something and let's get them trained in on this and i hope they love it like i do so i can appreciate this uh that lesson for sure because <laughs> it just basically happened last week <laughs> yeah yeah and it's yeah i mean it's you just it's a different it's a little bit different i don't know if it's a stress but it's like you want them to be successful so bad you don't want to just you know, I think it's probably a little more important when they're up and coming, but you soon realize that once they have some success, that there is more to it than, than just harvesting that mm -hmm. animal. And like I said, I, I needed that lesson, you know, from her to remind me that for sure. You know, one thing that we, we don't really talk about, and I think this even comes back to my father. And when you're a kid, you don't think about this, but my dad would push us through this slough that probably had 50 yards of cattails. And he would put us boys in there. There was no motor. It was a rowboat. And he would just put on waders and push and push and push. And he'd get out there. I'm sure he was sweating and he made sure we were warm. We had something to drink, um, hot chocolate, the whole thing. And we get to go hunt with dad. And looking back on it now, I think to myself, it's an act of love, but it's absolutely an incredible amount of work that he did for us right. to go hunt ducks. You know, tell me a little bit about your experience, because I think that there's a, maybe a little bit of a, um, intimidation factor, right? We don't, yeah. I'm not West very much. So what do you need? What do you go and do? How much work is it on your part? Are you, you know what I mean? Is it just like, something that's easy for you or is it a ton more work to be the guide of your family? Oh man. I mean, it's just like anything. There's, there's obviously some, some things come easy. It's just, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. Like every once in a while, something comes easy mm -hmm. with kids and hunting. Very seldom does something come easy. <laughs> um, and not just my kids. I've, 
I've mentored uh, a good handful of youth turkey hunters. Mm-hmm. And even though it's just turkey hunting, when I say just turkey hunting, like you can prep for it, right? But you're scouting birds, you're running around, you're setting up blinds, you're doing this, you're doing that, trying to get them in in the dark, uh, <laughs> trying to keep them somewhat quiet when the birds, if the birds do cooperate a little bit. Yep. And then getting them to keep their composure and make a good shot. And, you know, I would say that's probably one of the easier types of youth hunting I've done. Um, you start talking about heading out West and it's a lot more complicated sitting in a ground blind. So now your movement is important and you're dealing with, you know, kids. So, uh, you know, I'll just use Montana mule deer hunting, for example, because that's probably what we've done the most of as a family and, and with my, with my kids. Yep. And I guess the first, the reason I brought them out there is because a lot of states have a lot of great youth opportunities, reduced price tags, special seasons. And I'm like, why aren't we taking advantage of this? Mm-hmm. So we did. <laughs> and you start talking about taking a kid who's got legs that are a third the length of yours and you're hiking them through the hills in Eastern Montana, looking for mule deer. And like I said, now you have to not only spot the deer, you have to stalk them and then you have to try to get set up on them and get that kid. So they're comfortable taking an ethical shot. Mm-hmm. And it's not impossible, obviously, but it's tough. <laughs> so there's a lot of missed up, you know, there's a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of blown stocks and you have that as adults, you know, so mm-hmm. you, you had children of the mix and then of course, one of the kids wants to go with the other kid. So now you're adding another person who's moving and doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have a lot of blown stocks and a lot of extra miles put on, but when it happens, it's just, I mean, it's all worth it for sure. <laughs> I've kind of referred to this a previous episode, but you know, when you go do something that's easy, you don't remember it. When you do something that's incredibly hard, you'll never forget it. It's hundred percent. Right. Yeah. When you guys are on your way home, are you debriefing and talking about this over and over? And are you more excited than they are? Are they all fired up all the way home or tell me a little about that. Yeah. I mean, it all, it kind of depends on what unfolded during the, you know, the past few days, but yeah, there's usually someone who, you know, probably shot the nicest deer or whatever. And, you know, they're chattering about it and retelling the story or, or whatever. But, um, we try to reflect on it just to, just so as a learning tool too, just, you know, what did we do? Right. Like, why did it work that one time, but it didn't the other 10 times, mm-hmm. you know, what do we do? What do we do differently? Or what do we do better? Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are all lessons that I've learned over the years myself. And I still learn. I mean, I learned something on every hunt. I, I learned a hundred things on every hunt. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's one of those things where you learn from failing. It's just, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's hunting or in life in general. Um, like you're going to learn more by failing. If you're successful nonstop, you're not going to learn much. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we definitely talk about what, what worked, why it worked and how we're going to do it better next time or, or whatever. I like that. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about you. Sure. You have that entrepreneurial mindset, Eric. You, 
were you born with it? Did you create it? Were you self-made? Were you given that I don't know, um, blessing by a, a, a another adult? Tell me a little about that. Well, I mean, you, you know, you're quite a bit younger than me. Um, but obviously we've known each other for most of our, most of our lives and we know each other's families and stuff. And as you know, I had a family who was, uh, involved with a business and in, in, in Pelican Rapids, you know, our hometown, uh, my grandpa had that business for 50 years and I was around it since I was a toddler sure. and, you know, helped him help them. My dad worked for, worked for the, uh, the store as well. And I started helping. I mean, I, I remember helping them when I was a child, but I was probably on the payroll at 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so I seen what operating a business was like, never, ever thought I would run that business or, or anything like that. I never, I just went there and worked, but I was still absorbing all that from my dad and my grandpa. So I will give them credit to my, uh, my drive to be a business owner. Um, because I think, you know, they, they ended up closing the store down together. Um, just like I said, my grandpa put 50 years in and enough's enough. And my dad, (laughs) my dad didn't want to continue on. They ended up, uh, closing the store down and liquidating everything out. But, but I think as the years went on, I was working for other people, especially in the lakes, lake service, uh, doing docks, lifts, landscaping, that type of thing. And I just kept looking at the person in charge of me or person ahead of me. And what do I have to do to get there? And I would do it. And then what do I have to do to get to the next step? Cause I just, I wanted to make more. I wanted more responsibilities. I wanted to do better. And it just progressed to the point where I said, well, I'm going to go do this on my own. And I did. And I've been doing that for 10 plus years now. Um, but I will, like I said, I'll give credit to my dad and grandpa for sure, because indirectly they molded me, I think, to have that mindset. Um, it maybe didn't come out right away. And yep. it was actually probably better because I had it work for my own business and build it myself versus them just handing it down to me. So Mm -hmm. I had a lot different, a lot different perspective on it. Um, I think that's what keeps a guy going and keeps a guy pushing and continuing to try to, you know, make it better. That's, that is so cool. And again, you kind of think about that where it's all yours, right? I mean, when you, when you go and buy a skid steer, a truck and a trailer, and some land to go put rocks and places to put it. It's like, it's do or die. You know what right. I mean? It's right. all, it's all you. And it would, is that something that you loved? Is that something you hated? Did it keep you, I mean, does it keep you up at night? Tell me a little Not bit more <laughs> when you, you year two, it did, but. Uh, so the very first, when I decided to quit my job and go on my own, like I said, this has been 11 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or going, yeah, it'd be 11 years from basically this spring. So when I made that decision, I literally sat on, on my porch with my head in my hands going, what the heck am I doing? (laughs) 
And then I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to reach out to a couple people. And I knew some dock and lift retailers in the area and I had built some good relationships with them. And I'm like, well, I'm going to start there because I have to do something right now because otherwise I'm going to sit here, pull my hair out wondering why I just made this decision. (laughs) So I made a couple phone calls and really it only took one. And I made it to an individual who owns uh, who, who owns and still owns a retail retail business around the lakes area. And he basically just said, you're making the right move and I, and you have my blessing. So right there, I was able to sleep that night at least. Um, but no, I mean, you know, your first few years and, and even, you know, I don't know that I've actually been super comfortable until the last couple of years. Okay. Just... I mean, you, you want to continue to make it grow and then you're trying to balance work and family and that can be really tough, obviously. Um, I mean, if you're going to run your own business, there's a lot of sacrifices. Um, and fortunately I got myself to a point where I have a little bit better balance and balance is a tricky word because if you're too balanced, that means as an entrepreneur, you're not pushing hard enough, (laughs) but at the same time, your wife and kids deserve your time as well. Um, so you definitely do have to be make a balance, whether it's an equal, like an even 50-50 balance or not, there still has to be a balance. Like you have to make sure you have dedicated time for, for your family. Cause as we know, I mean, life, life moves pretty fast and, uh, you know, with the blink of an eye, I have a 14 year old and a 12 year old. I'm just like, what is, <laughs> what's happening? You know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. This last weekend, you know, that hits hard because this last weekend I took down my kids first swing set. It's going to another family who has little kids too. And you know, the two swings on this, this thing and a tiny little slide, like kind of that you put your kids in that they can't fall out. Yeah. 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 And I'm taking this thing down. The person's coming the next day and I'm, I'm choking myself up thinking about all the times my kids fell asleep in those swings and giggle in those swings. You know, they couldn't even talk, but we spent hours in that thing. And it's crazy to me to think that this thing's that that season's over. Right. And it just, and, and it, and it made me actually call a young dad because I was a young dad in that situation. I thought like, I have to give up all this stuff to be a dad. Like I'm rocking my kid to sleep and my buddies are all doing, you know, fill in the blank. And I felt sorry for myself for a long time. Look, wait, I thought I'm going to be like, I can't wait to be father. I'm, I'm built to be a father, all this stuff that happened. I'm like, I think I'm built to go fishing today. (laughs) You know what I mean? All my buddies are doing this. And, and I look back and I call, I call the young dad. And I just said, Hey man, and I'm choking up as I'm telling this, I said, the season of life that you're in, it will be over in a second. Don't, don't even, don't even take it for granted. If you can help it at all, just remind yourself. And I know, you know, this, like fathers know this, they get here, you go to church, everyone, Oh, this is going to be over soon. They'll be graduating soon. They'll be in college soon. They won't want to see you soon. It's like, thanks. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden I take down my kid's swing set. It hits me like a soccer punch right in the head. And God darn it. Yeah. They're already done with this. And I, and I, 
And it was very humbling, a very humbling experience. And I hope, you know, I hope the kid heard the emotion in my voice, buddy, you'll be fishing soon. You know what I mean? (laughs) It will be, it will be short-lived, but the season is, it is, I can imagine 12 and 14. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite an honor to be a father. It's quite an honor to, to have, you know, things that you're passionate about and also to, to be able to give your kids some of that stuff too. And, you know, I think about you a lot because when you, when you are a go-getter, right? Not many people in this world that I know are a go-getter, like you're a go-getter. When you have multiple businesses, when you love to hunt, and fish and that those things take you far away when you have passions that are lived out because that makes you come alive as a father there's still only 24 hours in a day and a certain level of energy you can you know muster yeah what do you do outside of your passion and your work and being a father that makes you have energy what what you know what how can you physically and mentally do this? Uh, it's questionable sometimes. <laughs> and uh, That's I, a I, question. <laughs> I get that. I get that question. I don't want to say I get that question. I get that question often enough. Like, I don't understand how you do it. Or how can you be involved in so many things? And like, where do you find time? Mm-hmm. And obviously you can't make time. The joke is, oh, you just make time, but like you said, there's 24 hours in a day. You can't make it. It's There's no more to be made, but you can make yourself more efficient. Uh, you can get your butt out of bed earlier in the morning. And, you know, it's, it's like, I'll kick myself some mornings because I'll sleep in an extra half hour mm-hmm. and then I'll be trying to do, I'll try to do a run or a workout or, or whatever it is. And I needed that extra half hour. you know, and I was being lazy and slept in for, you know, so now I'm mad at myself. I'm going, geez, I didn't get the, you know, extra couple miles than I wanted or whatever it might be, you know? So, but honestly, it's, you learn to be, you learn to be more efficient, obviously. I mean, you have to be efficient with your time. It's like you said, there's, there's only so much time. So I just try to do my best as far as, you know, not wasting too much time doing anything. Um, and, and I, like I said, it all starts with getting up in the morning. And if you get up early enough, uh, you can, you can get a lot done before you got to go to work or get the kids to school or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are things, you know, and, and, you know, too, you're into, you're into fitness and stuff. Uh, that gets you going. I mean, if you work out in the morning, it, it provides you energy throughout the day. You know, people think, well, geez, you're working out and you're running and you're doing this and then you're working all day and you're doing this to the kids and blah, blah, blah. How do you have any energy? It's like, well, I'm building that energy too. Um, you know, I'm me as, as a, uh, person who, you know, whether I'm running, you know, I've been doing a lot of running lately. Um, but, running and doing workouts, whatever, like I have way more energy that day than I do on a day off. And I don't take many days off from physical activity, but if I put in some super long runs or, you know, do some pretty intense workouts, like 
I'll take Sunday off, for instance. Okay. Yep. Well, in the middle of the day, I feel like a nap because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done anything hardly, you know, and it's like on a regular day when you get up and you start your day with a workout and you get gone and off you go, it's just like the energy just continues and continues throughout the day. And I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I saw it that you had reflected on, and I want to dive into the 75 hard here and kind of the, that amazing transformation I saw. Sure. But the reflection was, I don't know how I'm going to fit this in. And then you said, I started doing it. It was easier and easier to get it in because it was like, well, then you just see all the stuff you were doing that was wasting time. Correct. Tell me a little bit about that. Will you just let these guys know what 75 hard is first and then just kind of talk about your experience with that, what you learned, what you read, what you did? Yeah. So 75 hard is not necessarily just a fitness challenge. I would consider it just as much a mental challenge because a fitness challenge would be something where it just somebody tells you to do this workout every single day or whatever it is, you know, they're going to give you a schedule. Yep. Uh, 75 hard is a little different because you actually have to plan your day out a little bit better because you have two 45 minute workouts every day. One of them has to be outdoors. doesn't matter. Rain, shine, snow. I mean, it's one of them has to be outdoors. Both of them can be outdoors. Um, but one of them at least has to be outdoors and they can't be back to back. So you can't get up at four in the morning go outside and work out for an hour and a half and count that as your two 45 minute workouts. Sure. The kind of hidden rule is a three hour break in between, but what they're trying to do, the idea behind it is, is how to plan your day accordingly to where you can fit in two separate 45 minute workouts. So it's two 45 minute workouts. You have to drink a gallon of water, which you and I both know is if you're working out twice a day is probably good for you. Yep. Um, no alcohol, no exceptions, no alcohol. Um, except for obviously if, uh, you do communion or something, that's obviously acceptable, but other than that, no alcohol, uh, you have to follow a diet. Now the rules say it doesn't have to be a specific diet, but it has to be a diet that is a clean eating diet that's going to better you and better your body and you need to follow it. You need to name that diet and follow it. Okay. Um, and then you have to read 10 pages out of a book, which is highly beneficial because you can read all kinds of good, influential, motivational, uh, books by several. I mean, there's all kinds of authors out there that have great books Let's see what else am I missing? think that's it for 75 for the first phase but you have to do every single one of these every day for 75 days straight there's no cheat day there's no there's no day off it's not a five day a week or six day a week it's 75 days straight hmm. and it's like a roller coaster ride i'll be honest with you there's a couple weeks that seem pretty easy and you got this and then you run into a day that it's just like, holy crap, like, what did I, what am I doing? And all worth it, obviously, in the end. Um, but I did it once and I did it legitimately from start to finish. 
it was a lot of people say it's life-changing. It's definitely, for me, I don't want to say it was life-changing, but it definitely benefited me in many, many ways. I realized that I was not as efficient with my time as I could be. I realized I was wasting my time doing foolish things that I could be doing good things that are bettering myself, whether it's physically, financially, socially, whatever. Like, so yeah, I did that 70, I did the, the full challenge. And then actually, I don't know, probably seven, eight months later, my wife decided to do it. And I told her, I'll do it with you. And I'll be 100% honest. I was legit for about 60 some of her days. And I just, I wanted to help her. I didn't want to, it's, it's a lot easier. Someone can do it with you. Sure. Um, yep. So I was just trying to be kind of a coach and a supporter and I made it to like 60 some days. And then I had a bunch of stuff going on. I just told her, Hey, I'm going to, I'm, I'm out a couple of days, you know, I'm still here to support you, but just know like, but I'm not going to go around and boast. I did 75 hard again either, but <laughs> I did, I did, I did it a second time. I did it close to a second time. Like I said, I did it for support for her more than anything. Um, and she nailed it. She did a great job with it too. So that's awesome. Yeah. It was actually really fun to watch someone that close to you do it. And watch their roller coaster ride. And when I say that, it's just like, because it's seriously, you have great days. And then you have days, even like four or five in a row that are like, this is the dumbest thing ever. But what it means is like, I sat there and looked at her when she would say that. I'm like, the challenge is working. Like, this is, this is what it's supposed to do. This is testing you way beyond anything you've ever been tested before. And when you grind through it all and finish it. It's just like, wow, you know, that was well worth it. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, the before and after pictures, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't think that you had a lot to lose. If you want to talk about losing weight, gaining muscle or what have you. Right. Before and after pictures were like almost nothing I've ever seen before. I mean, yeah. honestly, I just thought, holy smokes, you did that in 75 days. I think a lot of people would say, I want to do that. And I think a lot of people would be done after seven, but regardless yeah. of the fact that is, I, I like the fact that it's, it's more mental and planning and the kind of your takeaways in terms of efficiency. Yeah. What, uh, what books do you read? Book. So I read, so Andy Frisella is the one who, who wrote 75 hard. Uh, he made up the challenge. So he, I read his book called 75 hard. Um, a fun one that I read was green lights by Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. just a fun, good read. Uh, I mean, solid dude. I just, you know, I very entertaining book, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know if you've read it, but it's about as, it's kind of, a kind of a autobiography, but, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Um, I, I uh, just actually, I just got done reading. Yeah. It was, it was tremendous. I thought it was hilarious and yeah. brought out some incredible points from a yeah. dude that I never would have thought that was his background. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So, um, David Goggins, have you heard of, have yep. you heard of him? I would call I would call him a self-made Marine, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I read Goggins book. Um, 
what is that what is that called um it is uh because he, he that's an entertaining dude to listen to and you might not want to you might either want to listen to a clean version um or it beeps it out or you don't want to listen to it around your kids can't hurt me. motivational mamma jamma yeah. the books can't hurt me can't hurt me yeah yeah when i listen to goggins like his pot you know if he's on a podcast or something like mm-hmm. i can appreciate his cussing and stuff like that because it just it's so like meaningful mm-hmm. but i if you're gonna read his book read the clean version just because it's just way easier to read and it just makes more sense because he drops the f-bomb more than anybody that i know and i got some friends who talk like sailors and (laughs) i mean he he does and when he's expressing himself on a podcast or something like that like i can appreciate like his his enthusiasm and and whatever but like if you're going to read his book i would definitely get the clean version it's just way easier reading yeah for sure but yeah can't hurt me is his his book okay so um another couple some books i've read after that so i've kind of kept on i've always been somewhat of a reader mm-hmm. um more so i like reading you know article hunting articles and stuff like that especially i have some friends who are authors too so it's always fun reading their stuff yeah. um you know, you know a handful of them as well mm-hmm. um but um, then I got into uh, Tim Grover. He was the like Michael Jordan's personal trainer. Oh, okay. uh, worked with Kobe. Um, worked with several NBA um, stars. But uh, he has a book called Relentless, and he actually has a second one now to um, the Unforgiving Race to Greatness. But uh, Grover, both of his books are are great uh, motivational books as well. Cool. But he just talks about, I mean, you, you talk about Michael Jordan or Kobe or, mm-hmm. I mean, they're the best of the best, right? Yep. But just the mindset that they had to go into the gym at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and shoot hoops when they're already arguably the best, but they knew that by doing it, they could make themselves even 0.1% better or 0.3% better. It didn't matter. They weren't going to see huge growth because they were already at the top, but they were still in there grinding, you know, day after day after day, just to improve themselves just a little bit, because it'd just be even that much more of an edge. So um, when it comes to like mental toughness and, and stuff like, I mean, yeah, a couple of really good books there. That's cool. And yeah. I, yeah, I've not heard of the last two that you talked about, but I'm going to go back to time efficiency quick and then we're going to jump into mindset. But one of the things that I learned, and I had this pointed out to me by, by a coach, um, not an athletic coach, a coach who was kind of helping us learn how to run a business. She was really big on just calling your own BS. And she said, here's the thing. You just want to spend a week and you want to write down every minute of free time you have, just write it down and then write down what you did with it and just do a a time audit on yourself Mm -hmm. because everyone's going to tell you they don't have time. You're going to tell yourself you don't have time, but if your transition to go from when you're working out 
to the shower and then from the shower to whatever your next thing is, is 40 minutes or 20 minutes, or that's when you get your, you know, that free time, if you want to call it that. She said, it's, it's still 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You add all that up and you got three and a half hours. Um, take a look at your screen time on your phone every week and see what it averaged out to be. And she just kind of threw this at us. So I did it. I did a time audit. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I will never, ever say I don't have time. Yes. I was a parent. Yes. I had young kids. Yes. I was up sometimes for an hour from 2am to 4 or to 3am, two hours from two to 4am um, taking care of a kid rocking back to sleep, but I was on my phone. So I didn't fall asleep. And then that turned into two hours, yeah. whatever you want to call it, do a time audit. If you, if you say, I don't have time to do whatever the thing is you actually want to do, do a time audit and see if you could find another hour in your day. Yeah. And if you can't, if you really can't, then you probably shouldn't do that. But if you have three extra hours in your day and you just, you didn't know that because you spend it <laughs> doing something else, whatever. But let's get back to this. Because, uh, oh, excuse me, because that's, that's what I thought I had heard you say at the end of that, the 75 hard was, I didn't think I could do all those things in a day, but I did. And then I found out that I had way more time than I thought. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you just, you learn time management for sure. Time management. Yes. Yeah. So let's go back to the mindset thing one more time. Sure. Okay. What have you learned about yourself? What would you say? Because the thing about Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant, that is a like so unbelievable to me is the fact that they didn't really ever have a, I'm good. I'm here. It was never like I've arrived ever. It was always like, I'm going to, now I'm going to beat you at this level. And then I'm going to beat you at the next level until there's, you know, until I go back a couple levels and I'm going to beat you at that level again. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you start winning, true winners are going to want to keep, keep winning. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. If they can be at the top of their game, but they're going to find something that they need to go at and win that and win that. I mean, Colby did it with his, his daughter and her, you know, and her basketball. And, you know, it's like, um, but when you get, when you get so into that winner's mindset, I don't know that you can ever be a hundred percent satisfied. Yeah. Um, and you should really read those books by Tim Grover because he talks about that. And it's from going from good to great to unstoppable. And once you're there, it's just, it's never enough. I mean, almost, it can almost be to a fault. Um, yeah. You know, we're obviously on a lot different level than, yeah. than those guys, but it, it's true though. I mean, you, once you, once you're accomplishing that thing, like it's going to push you to try to accomplish the next thing. And it's going to push you to accomplish the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, which I guess in my eyes is a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of backstory on me. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can kind of take a lens because what I'm going to tell you next is just something that I think is important. And it's, I, there's, there's been a number of people in my life who have walked through who are 
who are go-getters, right? Self, self-made guys. I, I'd say a, a Goggins, for example, right? He was, what did he say? He was, he was spraying for, for like beetles or bugs, or he was like exterminating. Yeah, he was exterminating. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm big and I'm an exterminator and I don't really, I hate my life. And I'm like, what am I doing? I got to do something different. So he went and did something. Different. Yeah. But kind of that self-made mindset or, or, you know, they would say self-help books, but motivational books, things that make you, you tick and get fired up and go out and accomplish and become, I would consider the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. I see an extremely great value in that too. And I think that that's one of the things about like the American dream. That's awesome. Because if you have that, you can go and climb and go do whatever you want to do and be whatever you want to be. And I love it. The one thing that's caught me up though, is that in my faith journey, that um, performance mindset, which I mean, came by naturally because you win or lose games in high school and in college, you pass tests, you get grades, you get, I mean, it's, it's always performance, performance, performance. I really, really, really got beat up thinking that it was a performance-based thing with my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. If I'm good, then I'm good. If I'm not good, like strike me down, punish me, make me run laps or whatever. You know what I mean? Fail, whatever. It's like a pass fail thing. And man alive, did it take a lot of barrier knocking down in that realm of my life where he's like Christ, in my opinion, or in my experience, excuse me, Christ is like, it has nothing to do with it. You cannot do anything. You were meant to do good works and you should know your body's meant to do that. But you literally can do nothing to be saved. You can do nothing for salvation. And that was a hard thing for me to learn because of, again, that mindset of performance and, and be better and continue. And I kind of like both sides, but they clash in the realm of spiritual existence, contentment, right? Being happy with, um, with where you're at with Christ maybe not being happy with where you sit in your occupation. They, they, there's no doubt to me that that's a broad brush stroke. That's kind of a a tricky thing to be in. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I, so that's, that's my only, that's my only hindrance of saying like, go, go, go and never be satisfied. But in the same sense, I think we were created for more. I think that we are created to, to do really good things. And I think that if we allow the Lord to guide us and if we push ourselves and we're disciplined, which there's a spirit of self-discipline, yep. <laughs> that's biblical. Um, I think, I think a lot of us are, are performing at a, at a lower rate than we could if we just did some pretty basic things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Agreed. So that's a, that's just a little, that's, that's a, those are many years of struggle. Um, yeah. but my conclusion is the fact that there is a little bit of a clash and I just need to be real conscientious of that myself of saying, all right, I need to just take a big deep breath and I need to just be covered in Christ's love right now. Cause there's like, I'm, you know, I just botched that bad or whatever the case may be, you know, yeah. it's almost like, uh, come into peace with yourself because if you don't, it's just gonna, it's just gonna snowball and go the other way for you. 
yeah. <laughs> sometimes it just gets to a point where you just have to do that. Um, obviously everybody does it differently, but, uh, yeah, sometimes you just have to throw your hands up and be like, yep, I don't know what to do right now. Other than, you know, just take it in. Yep. I would, I would agree. I just needed to, to say that. And I don't, I don't say it for, with any point or any actual like agenda. Just yeah. that's the thorn in my side, man. It's the one thing I can't just, it just gets me. <laughs> um, time outdoors. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It does, man. Seriously. There's a, a pastor of Elevation Church. His name's Stephen Furtick. And he, he gave a sermon one time and he talked about how he was, how there were some people at some meetings who were real frustrated that he wasn't there. And he told them, he, he got them together after he found out that they were upset with them. And he said, here's the deal. I have only a certain number of chips in my vending machine and I can only give out a certain number every day. And if I die today, you guys will have another person speaking up here tomorrow, but I'm going home and play football with my kid. Cause if I die today, there's that, that doesn't get filled by his father. So mm-hmm. unfortunately I'm telling, you, no, I'm not coming here. I'm going there and I'm going to go do that thing. That's important to me. Yeah. And I've thought about that many times. You know, Eric, tell me a little bit about just balancing. I know we talked a little bit about balancing, but tell me about that, the intentionality behind that. What do you have to do? What's the thing that makes you that makes you say, all right, I'm going home. Job's not done. I'm going home. So, like I said earlier on, there really wasn't, I, I really couldn't control the balance like I can now. And I could have, but what would have happened was my business would have failed. Mm-hmm. Maybe not failed, but it wouldn't have prospered the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're doing a service for people, they expect you there, right? They expect something done. And at the end of the day, you're the one that has to provide that service. Um, I think ways that I... I mean, obviously I grew and grew and grew and, you know, had more people working for me, that type of thing. So that obviously helps, but I was finally to a point where I was, I don't want to say content because we're always, you know, I feel like we're still, we're still, you you should always be growing, you know, um, to some extent, but I was happy with where things were to the point where, I started balancing things by maybe don't take on quite as many jobs or learn to say no a little bit more often, (laughs) which was really, really hard for me for many, many years. And there's many people that will attest to that, but you just have to do it. And then that'll open up more time uh, as far as, you know, balancing things as far as getting to a kid's baseball game or spending you know, making it home for dinner or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Being able to take a couple of days and go turkey hunting or go out west or whatever it is. Um, so I think, you know, for me, it just took growth to, to learn how to do that, that better. Um, still not perfect. I mean, I disappoint. Unfortunately, I dis- still disappoint people. Um, 
you know, whether it's my wife or my kids or a customer, you know, you, tr you try hard not to, but, um, you know, it's really tough to make everybody happy, but I'm definitely a lot better at managing that now than I was several years ago, for sure. Well, how about when your dad had a, had, was a part of that business? Did he teach you some lessons so, in that area or was that, was that a learn by example or a learn by, you know, fault now? Yeah. You know, so my, my dad was in a retail business, which is a little, you know, you're still at the end of the day, you're the boss. So if something needed to get done, you needed to get it done. Um, if there's something that had to be fixed at the store, you did it after hours. If there was, you know, a truck that came late because they got caught in traffic somewhere and you have to unload them at seven o'clock in the evening, it is what it is. It doesn't matter if the store was closed at five 30. Um, yeah. that's still your obligation as a business owner. But for the most part, um, I've seen my dad a lot and I didn't feel like his work was really, I feel like it didn't take away a lot of time from me. Um, but then again, I was involved with it too at a young age too. So I was around those guys in the workforce, you know, and they're in the work area. So, um, you know, so maybe I didn't notice it as much as if I would have just been a kid who was always at home waiting for dad to come home type of thing. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I like that. I don't know what my kids are going to do. You don't know what your kids probably are going to do. Shoot. Your daughter's probably going to bring her boyfriend out hunting out West and teach him all the stuff she learned. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to talk about boyfriends yet, but she's going to have a plethora of information in there and experience that she's probably going to be able to like, right. give away. So that's pretty cool. But I got right. two, I got two little ones at home. What's some advice that you would give them, bud? That I would give your, that I'd give your kids. Yeah. Or when they grow up, some, something that they need to know just from your life experiences. You should always have goals. Um, if you can, call, at that age, I'd call them dreams and, you know, dreams, the reason I call them dreams, like that's that, that word's misunderstood too easily. Like, Oh, you're, you're dreaming. Like it's never going to happen. No dreams happen. Like dreams and goals to me are very similar, but you definitely need to have those dreams or those goals. And I mean, you got to push for them and do what you can to, you know, to, to reach them. And sometimes that means backing up and realizing that you can't just jump from where you're at to that goal. There might be five goals in between. And obviously that's tough to understand at a very young age, mm -hmm. but at a young age, you should know, like, don't ever be discouraged because something seems too far or too far out of reach because it's not there's ways to reach it you just have to you might have to take steps to reach it you know and definitely do stuff that makes you happy i mean you know it's uh there's too many people that i have lots of friends i they're not they don't like their jobs they're not happy with their you know whatever it's like set a goal that you know it's you're gonna do something that you enjoy and that you like because i mean what's the point if you're not <laughs> you know yeah even if it takes a big risk of you leaving the one and going for another one hey man it's it's true the biggest risks have the biggest rewards they do <laughs> i mean they they absolutely i like that tell me a little bit about your workout 
Which one did you choose? I did the lift four um, workout. And the reason I did is I need to start doing weight, weight type work that I can do at home just because of the way my schedule is and all crazy uh, the next couple months are for me. Yep. Um, I used to do a CrossFit in Detroit Lakes, but now I live like 45 minutes from the CrossFit gym. Gotcha. It just doesn't make sense. Right. And yep. I haven't got the CrossFit equipment uh, incorporated into my garage yet, which is the next step, but I do have free weights and I do have, you know, all kinds of other little gadgets and whatever, but I do need to do some weight type stuff. So that's why I chose the lift and it's four days a week. I mean, if you can't handle four days a week, like come talk to me and I'll make you handle four days a week. (laughs) But, but what a crazy work. I mean, what a crazy intense workout for, you know, being able to do it at home with basically dumbbells, you know? Um, But I definitely need, when you're a runner and I I shouldn't even call myself a runner because I'm not, but when you're training for a, a running race, mm-hmm. you lo- I don't want to say you lose, you, you're not gaining muscle. Like I'm not chiseled. Like I was when I completed 75 hard, mm-hmm. I've lost, I've lost some of that. Yep. And I know that my next step after the marathon is to put on some, put on some muscle again. Yep. Yep. So Get durable again. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you doing that and, yeah. um, and giving feedback on that. I lift four is, yeah, it's a, yeah. Four days a week, about 40 minutes for give or take. It's, it's not very long, but it'll whoop your butt. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it, and it's not just lifting. I mean, you're working. So, I mean, it's cardio, it's everything like, yep. and a lot of core strength too. So. Yep. Always ending with core. Yeah. Yep. Well, you got to tell me a little bit about in the weeds, man. So we have a podcast that has been, it's in progress. Uh, I guess back up to probably a year ago, a friend and myself had been questioned plenty of times out on hunting trips or whatever, uh, having a beer, what people would be like, why don't you guys have a podcast? (laughs) So we heard it enough to where we sat down and said, why don't we have a podcast? (laughs) So we purchased the equipment and uh, we've got some of the legalities figured out um, as far as the business, Um, waiting on some artwork and kind of our startup jingle. And we just didn't want to do anything real generic because this isn't a generic podcast it's in the weeds which (laughs) everybody's going what the heck does in the weeds mean so i'll just give you a quick breakdown the podcast is going to be so it's going to be hosted by myself and a good friend of mine jan Payne. and i'll actually call him the the host and me the co-host (laughs) because he's a great talker and a great interviewer um, and he's 12 years older than me, so he has more experience and more wisdom. <laughs> so, but he's a great guy. I've done a lot of hunting with him the last couple of years. And basically the topics we're going to talk about are everything from quail hunting, grouse hunting, pheasant hunting, deer hunting, to backcountry elk hunting, uh, doll sheep hunting in Alaska, 
um, chasing birds down, you know, quail down in Arizona, New Mexico, some fishing stuff, some outdoor stuff, but it's going to be a very well-rounded outdoorsy type podcast. And the reason in the weeds is, you know, it's, it's easy for me. And I, after we listen back on this podcast, we'll probably realize, you know, going down some rabbit holes or whatever, but, (laughs) um, you know, it's kind of the same idea, but like we're, our conversations are going to drift in the weeds. Uh, They just are like, we're going to be on a topic but we're going to kind of drift in the weeds, but it's going to be very educational and purposeful, I I believe, because there's a lot of people that might not know exactly what you're talking about. And we just want to, we want to make sure that they're understanding, like, you know, because a lot of it's going to be informative. Um, It's going to be fun. It's going to be laid back. There may or may not be some beer drinking involved here and there when (laughs) we record some. (laughs) Um, you know, but it's just, we want to make a, a, a episodes that are just easy listening, fun, informative, um, but legit. Like, I mean, we're going to give you true information and we're going to teach you ways if you're interested in doing some of these things, because, you know, someone's going to sit there and go, well, how the heck do I go hunt California quail or Valley quail in California? Well, we're going to tell you how. You know, or how do I go hunt caribou in Alaska? Well, we're going to tell you how. Hmm. Um, we're going to give you that info, and we're going to give you some tips and some connections and whatever you need. Um, so we we do have several, but uh, we do have several episodes recorded. We just uh, we're waiting on a couple things before we launch anything. So look forward in a couple months here. Uh, super excited about it and. Yeah, it'll be fun for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely, we'll definitely have you on. So, <laughs> well, I can only give you a couple real specifics, <laughs> but but isn't that the truth? You know, I think about that for a second. I've spent many many years hunting waterfall. Mm-hmm. That's what we did growing up. And, you know, they're your two day deer hunt. Now I spend many many days deer hunting, um, and maybe a couple of days upland game hunting. But so if you say, Hey, doll sheep, it might as well be Spanish. And you say quail in New Mexico. I mean, I wouldn't know where to start. Honestly, I had no idea. You'd tell me anything. I'd believe it. And that's the one thing, Eric, that I just want to commend you on. The fun thing about watching you live your life fully, like full out, wholeheartedly passionate, giving those experiences to your kids and your family, trying to get other people involved, taking other kids out hunting, going to Alaska, New Mexico. Is this, you have this well-rounded experience and you're not that old. I mean, you really, you've, you've, you've really taken so much advantage of your time and your opportunities. And to me, that's the most influential thing. But the most, also the most inspiring thing, Eric, is that you're taking advantage of your life to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And, and I want, I, I do this podcast of labor of love for my boys, but also for my own heart. I want to take advantage of my life to the nth degree. I want to, to wake up every day and have a purpose. And I want to go out and do it. And I want it, something to look forward to. I want my wife to know that she's loved. I want my kids to know that they're loved. And I want them to have the same experience. Yeah. 
And I can't control all so many things that I see, but I can control some things and I want to control them better. <laughs> like I want to be better. And so, yeah, I just, I want to thank you for your time tonight, for just continuing to, you know, I know you don't share it. I know you, you do share a decent amount on social media, but I know there's a whole bunch of your life that you don't share because you don't spend a ton of time there compared yeah. to the other things, but right. the things that you do do, I just want to thank you for them because it's, you've, you've, you've really helped me in my young journey of being a father and getting to do this stuff to go pull the trigger on it. Appreciate that for sure. All right. I want to just thank you again for coming on tonight. And I also want to wish you best of luck in your marathon, man. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for your time tonight, Eric. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And that concludes the freedom project podcast. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today. If you liked what you heard, please hit like or subscribe and give it a five-star rating. We would appreciate this immensely. Have a wonderful day.